Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity. Here, as always, of course, me, your host, The Great Landis, and along with me is my stalwart compatriot, Professor Awesome, Ben Morris. Ben, how's it going? It's going very well, Robbie. Wonderful to speak to you, as always. This weekly oasis that we call The Other Identity, a trip away from the world of quarantine and self-isolation, a place where we can join together in the spirit of appreciating superheroes and the media that they have spawned. That's right. And speaking of the quarantine, I think we're now in like week eight? I've lost or track. Or seven? I've or lost something? track. <laughs> it's, yeah, been, so it's, been, it's been years since I left my house or seen other people. Um, I think my, my, my child's like in high school at this point. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. No, it, everything is everything's flying by. I, the thing that keeps me sane is... This podcast, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, talking to you, you. of course. And then I'm fortunate enough that between my classes that I'm teaching and uh, other stuff that I run as a result of UNLV, I'm having like three to four Zoom meetings a day with students. Oh, man. Wow. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And they're usually quick. It's usually I just got to talk. It's it's different groups of students who I need to talk to about different projects. Mm -hmm. But it keeps me sane in the sense that I feel like I'm still interacting with a variety of people. Um, so it's been good. And then I've been super, super OCD with my comics reading, as you know. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a time this week where I said to myself, Ben, should you just you know go ahead and read this entire Green Arrow arc like a normal human being like Robbie's doing? <laughs> no, you know what? Let's read an issue of Green Arrow. Let's read Marvel's origin from 2001. Let's go read some Teen Titans. Let, let's just go all over the place one issue a day. I'm, I'm a crazy person. Yes, you are. You are never going to get caught up to me. Like, like, you realize that if you stick to just one issue a day, it's going to take you five years yeah. to finish the Rebirth Challenge. By the time I get done with the Rebirth Challenge, like, the DC Universe will probably have already entered into their next reboot, as they seem to do one every few years anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, have you have you read anything that really sticks out in your mind uh, this past week? So, I actually really wanted to spotlight what I just mentioned was, on a whim, sort of, I've decided to start going backwards and reading some of like the really seminal Marvel and DC stories. So I kind of queued up on both Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe, just like complete stories that I really liked that are like, you know, three to five issues. And I read Origin, which I don't know if you're familiar with Origin or not. It's a 2001 series uh, from writer Paul Jenkins, artist Andy Kubert, colors by Richard Eisenhoff. It's the origin of Wolverine. And oh, I remember. Please tell me it's better than the movie. Oh, it's oh god! Not, <laughs> is, there, is there a question? Like, come on! They could they could literally release a, a, a book of blank pages, and it would be better than the movie. Um, no, this is. Uh, I remember when they did it in two thousand one. It was super controversial. I was still in college at the time. I didn't really absorb it, so it was kind of cool going back to read it. I have friends who hate this story because they hate the idea that Wolverine's backstory was ever told. They think it should just be mysterious and ambiguous much like we were talking about with the joker last i was just gonna say what no come on give the give the guy a backstory yeah i like it i i i i really enjoyed origin a lot more than i was expecting to in the sense that the characters are really well fleshed out and what i liked most is it's surprising and that's crazy to say about a book that's nearly two decades old but even though i knew the story the twist still resonated with me and to me that's the mark of great storytelling is when you know something's coming, but you still enjoy it just because the pacing and the rhythm and everything around it works so well. So if you're looking for something to read, it's a pretty quick read. It's only, I believe, five or six issues, and it it breezes by. So 
origin, uh, a random thing to read, but I read it and I liked it. Yeah, no, I I do feel like I need to sort of step away from the rebirth challenge uh, for a bit. I mean, obviously, I'm still tearing through it. Um, but what I've noticed, especially this past week as well, you know, I mean, I've gone through All-Stars, Batman, I've read a bunch of Cyborg, uh, Teen Titans, Raven, which I really liked, but none of them have really stood out to me enough to, like, warrant one of talking about individual um, issues. And one of the things that I know that I need to start to get back to doing, similar to what you just mentioned, is I know that there's still a lot of of what people, I think, would consider, like, really classic story arcs that still to this day I've actually never had a chance to go back and do. Yeah. You know, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men um, doing something or, or reading something like Blackest Day or, or Blackest Night, Brightest, you know, like like there are just so many things that like you look at and they're like, well, have you read this? Have you read this? Like these are part of what makes DC DC or Marvel Marvel that I still haven't touched. And I think I just need to like put the brakes on and, and really make an effort to go back and do some of those major crossovers. Well, even though you make fun of me for my my one issue of Rebirth a Day approach, the reason I do that is because I like kind of balancing out between, OK, here's something that came out a few years ago in Rebirth, but I also want to read the classic stuff. Like, I also want to make sure I, I just like to get a full range of exposure. Comics were very different in 1980 or even 2000 than they are today. And I feel like to get the full picture and the flow, kind of just what you described, getting the idea of what makes Marvel Marvel, I want to go back and read stuff like Origin. I You should absolutely read Avengers vs. X-Men. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. I was there. I, I, I think the, 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 the benefit that you have, though, is because you've been in the industry longer, a lot of the stuff that I haven't read, you've probably had a chance to read, you know, once or twice. I mean, how many times have you read through Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know? Yeah, exactly. Where... Where I've only really started embracing the comic side of this culture, you know, the past year or so. So I really feel like I have to try and, and, and catch up on stuff. Yeah, and it can seem daunting and overwhelming, but I don't know. Just look at it as, look at it as, a, as a long project that's never going to be done because there will, <laughs> yeah. always, be, there will always be more being added all the time. But yeah, I, uh, some of the stuff you mentioned, like I said, Avengers vs. X-Men, I got to work on that a little bit. That was super fun. Blackest Night is a great story. Um, yeah, there's there's so much out there. I guess to to throw it to our listeners, um, let us know on social media what you guys are reading. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit on the show. Uh, just like things that people are picking up. What are you getting into? Are you reading new stuff? Are you reading old stuff? What are people filling the time with during uh, during this quarantine period? Because I think this is. This is a golden age for comic book it, reading. It, it, it really is. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think what I'd like to do is uh, I'm going to try and read one like sort of major crossover a week Good. until I feel like the majority of them have been uh, dealt with. So this is the way that we'll do it is each week I will monitor social media, uh, whether that's on Checkpoint XP or, you know, you, you tag me specifically at Robbie underscore Landis CP. I want you guys listening to throw out what you think I should read. If I've already read it, I'll just let you know. But if I haven't, I'll choose one a week to do. And if, for some reason, our listeners do not come through with us, then uh, you can go ahead and flex your uh, powers as Professor Awesome and give me some homework each week and suggest what I should check out. I'm going to suggest that we throw out a hashtag here called Robbie Reads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so throw at us with the, with the hashtag Robbie Reads. Let us know what Robbie should be reading. And if you guys don't come through, he's going to have to suffer through my suggestion. So please, on his behalf, <laughs> come, through for, uh, come through for old Robbie. All right. Well, that'll wrap up what's been going on with quarantine. Coming up here on the episode, uh, we're talking all about Marvel villains today. So stick around uh, to see exactly what that's going to entail.
Hey, what's up? I'm Robbie from Checkpoint XP. And I'm Jake from the Overwatch League casting team. And together, we're your hosts of the Owl's Nest. With the Overwatch League up and running again, we'll be bringing you all the latest from the League and within Overwatch. But it's important that we all do our part to flatten the curve by staying home during the COVID-19 outbreak. So stay home. Stay healthy. And we'll see you every Friday night on the Owl's Nest before the Overwatch League weekend. Check it out at the Checkpoint XP YouTube channel or at CheckpointXP.com. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team, or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Other Identity. If you're not already, make sure that you're following us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us individually at Robbie underscore Landis CP and uh, Ben at Ben J-M-O-R-S-E. And in fact, we just created, if you were listening, I, if you're this far and you have to be, if you've skipped halfway to the middle of the show, I don't know what you're doing. But uh, go ahead and tweet at us with hashtag Robbie Reads and go ahead and uh, let me know what major crossover, what big event in comics do you think is the best and that I should read. But today what we're going to be talking about is villains. Now, we've been doing a lot of DC-related talk, and and there's so many villains just even within Marvel or DC themselves. You know, we want to kind of... Kind of super hyper focus on just one. I'm sure we'll visit the DC ones later, but this week it's all about Marvel. You know, talking about what villains we think are their best, what makes them the best, and uh, not even necessarily specifically staying to comics because I think a lot of really great stuff have been do- have been done with villains uh, in the MCU as well. So I mean, even even sort of focusing on Marvel itself. Ben, where are we, like where do we even start here? <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that's always distinguished Marvel villains to me is that, and and this is the best; these are the best villains in fiction are always the ones who you can kind of see their point, right? If someone's mm-hmm. just purely evil, and there is the argument for the purely evil villain, I will always say that Red Skull is one of the best villains in comic books just because he's a Nazi and there's nothing redeemable about Nazis and there's something to that. But I think on the whole, you want villains who they're doing things that you disagree with, it's objectionable, and you don't necessarily support their their means, but you look at their ends and it's not that bad. I always, always, when I think of Marvel villains, go back to 1 and 1A one for me, and that's Magneto and Doctor Doom. Ah, um, uh, yes, yes, And yes. for me, Magneto is such a great villain, and honestly kind of almost transcends the idea of being a villain because what Magneto is doing is he's trying to save his people. Uh, but the only way he thinks he can do that is to eradicate another race of people or to completely separate another race of people. And that's a very real world, very relatable motivation. This is not just a guy who wants to take over the world or even destroy his enemies. He's trying to help. But because of his background because of his personality the things he does make him antagonistic and that to me is where you start for a great marvel villain and for a great villain in general 
that's such a great point too when you talk about his history as well uh, because I mean essentially what he's trying to do to help his people is exactly what was done to him and his people in World War II it's uh, always been such a tragic and great backstory um, I, I agree with you obviously I think that, that, that when it comes to villains having having a certain aspect of it where from the outset sort of like their mission you go you know what I get it. That is a noble cause. Yes. But the way they're going about it is what really sets them apart, right? And 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 I don't think that obviously we as as people should want to completely, you know, feel at one with what the villains are doing. You know, we want to be able to to look at it and realize no what you're doing is wrong, but there has to be that sort of connection, you know. I never thought that that Thanos within the comics was the best villain. He was more along the evil side, right? Mm-hmm. Because he had this obsession with death and, you know, he had this mission, but you could tell you're just an evil dude. But the way that they portrayed him in the MCU, I thought, took him to a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, Thanos in comics is great because he's this, you know, operatic, huge villain, but you're right. He's just a bad guy. And honestly, the whole in love with death thing is kind of creepy. Um, so I never <laughs> yeah. really loved that. Uh, what they did with him in the movies, and they've done this a couple times in the movies, just this this, this kind of positioning of the villain as they are. It, it, it's the Magneto formula that I was just talking about. It's the idea that Thanos wants to, in his own twisted way, make the universe a better place. His way of going about that, wiping out thousands or millions of uh, innocent lives is not exactly cool, but you can see his point. And I think you, you see other villains in the MCU like uh, Killmonger. Uh, Killmonger Another great is, example. Killmonger's a fantastic villain because, again, you see his point. He's trying to, in his eyes, raise Wakanda and raise his people to a level where they're not this isolationist country uh, not functioning with the rest of the world. But again, what is he willing to do in order to get his way? So I think... Yeah, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe has hit on ways to make uh, characters like Thanos and Killmonger uh, a little bit more fleshed out than maybe they are in the comics. Not to take anything away from the comics versions. I love Thanos in the comics. Mm -hmm. I I think Killmonger's great in the comics, but I think... Giving them a little Magneto. Give them, I, I mentioned briefly Doctor Doom, but I love Doom just because he is the hero of his story. As far as Doctor Doom is concerned, he is the good guy. Whether he is trying to protect Latveria or whether he's trying to rule the world for our own good, Doom is doing the right thing. And that's, that's what Killmonger thinks, that's what Thanos thinks, that's what Magneto thinks. I think you see that through line through all the best villains is they think they're doing the right thing. Yes, there's room for those selfish villains who just want to rob banks, but if you're going to center a whole movie or a large arc of comics, I think you need that degree of depth. Well, and I think the that I'm glad that the MCU has taken as long as it has. Well, not that they had a choice because uh, Fantastic Four was owned uh, by another studio. But <laughs> right. I think in a way it's worked really well for them because Doctor Doom, you know, oh, like 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 Thanos, uh, uh, like Killmonger, I think that it, it's taken the MCU a while to realize just how to position and how to use their villains effectively, right? You go back through a lot of it, and uh, first of all, whenever you see, like, you know, the the origin story, it's usually just Hero going up against, you know, a a clone of themselves in some way. Same power set, right? And we're finally at the point now, uh, uh, we also have to mention the Vulture, who is just, I'm sorry, leagues and leagues better than I have ever seen him in any other piece of of Spider-Man media before. But they Mysterio, too. Mysterio as well, yes. They're finally doing so much better with them, and I think that, that Doctor Doom probably more... 
than anybody else besides Magneto just has so much potential to be more than just the villain in a single movie. He could easily carry, I think, an entire phase of Marvel movies. Absolutely. And I think you're right that uh, being handicapped in the sense that they didn't have access to Doom and Magneto in the first uh, decade of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're right. It was actually a really great thing because it made them have to scrap a little further. So the point when we do eventually get Doom, they don't need to do a lot. And like you said, they had to reinvent Thanos to make him work on a cinematic level. Doom and Magneto are going to come pretty fully formed. You can you we have a template for how to do those characters, even though they've been uh, Doom's been mismanaged in the past in movies. Well, the less Ugh. we talk about that, the better. Ugh. But it's a it's the people who run the Marvel Cinematic Universe are savvy enough that I think it should be a layup for them to get Doctor Doom right. And there's other there's other Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. I mean, look if you look at like the Ironmongers and the Malkits of the early days, yeah, they were a little lacking. Uh, I don't even think they did a great job with the Red Skull in the first Captain America movie, yeah. which was, which yeah. hurt me because, I again, I think the Red Skull is the best purely evil villain. But I think things started turning around with Loki. I think Loki was the first truly special Marvel Cinematic Universe villain. And then you look at some of the other ones that have come along, whether it's Zemo in Civil War, uh, Hela in Ragnarok. They've really, they have a better track record in the, uh, the back half than they necessarily mm-hmm. did in the front half. Yep, I agree. Uh, something else before we get out of this segment and get into our last one, uh, uh, we're, we're tending to focus a lot on like the really the big picture, you know, the cosmic or, or worldwide scale ones. But I think what tends to be overlooked a lot, especially when when you're comparing them more to the DC side, because I think DC is a lot more, well, at least in Batman's rogues gallery, I think, is a little bit more grounded. But I think Marvel also does really, really well, even on more of those, you know, local localized sort of city uh sort of sized um villains you know and 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 i definitely feel like most of them probably come more from the spider-man side of things but uh kingpin norman osborne doc ock uh venom gosh spider-man has such a great list of villains here i don't even know like where to start for them um but I think for me that probably the best one, one of my favorite ones, this was growing up on the uh, 90s Spider-Man cartoon, uh, was definitely the Kingpin. You know, he's someone that when we look at everything he does, we're just like, you're, you're just a bad guy. Like, there's there's no redeeming you. The stuff you do is just terrible. But then when you find out the reason that he's doing it, again, it comes right back around to to just that one moment, that one aspect of what we as as the readers can suddenly identify with. And, and that's what kind of pushes a villain over the top and really makes him something special. And then on the complete flip side, someone like Bullseye, who there's nothing redeemable about Bullseye. And when you scratch a little bit below the surface, uh, you know, you would kink in, you said you're able to find out, oh, well, well, he's doing it for a good reason. Nope, not Bullseye. Bullseye is just and a yet, psychopath. And yet, uh, Daredevil season three did the best version right. of Bullseye and, 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 and gave him, even, even though you can still see like, all right, you're messed up. There's, there's still that little bit of like, I kind of see why you ended up the way you did. Yeah, and I think that's what you need to do. I think I, at the end of the day, for a successful villain, even if it's someone who's purely evil, who's a psychopath, when you can pull the curtain... God the gore butcher. Yeah. <laughs> no, gore. Oh, he's such a great gore villain. Gore is a great villain, but again, dude, he's got he's got a motivation. Like, he, mm-hmm. he was wronged by gods in his view, and now he is trying to get his deserved revenge. So again, I would say, like, 
you got to scratch that surface and find out why are they doing this? Oh, there's a good reason for why they're doing this? Okay, now it's suddenly more interesting because even though I'm not rooting for them, I can at least understand what they're doing. Coming up here next, uh, we're actually going to talk about what some of our favorite all-time top villains in Marvel are. And then... We're going to go ahead and put that to a vote over the next few weeks. We're going to let you guys, the listeners, help us decide who is the best Marvel villain of all time. That's coming up next. all cosplayers. Don't let this quarantine stifle your creativity. We want to see your best quarantine cosplay. Upload your best cosplay that you've created during your stay at home to get in the running to score $100 from Joanne Fabrics and Craft Store towards your next cosplay adventure. Whether it's a completed masterpiece or a collage of the process, make sure to upload your photo today to win at CheckpointXP.com slash contest. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for downloading The Other Identity. If you haven't already, I do encourage, share this with your friends. Let them know what some of our hot takes are, uh, especially if they disagree. Get the discussion going yourself, and then send it to us. Let us know what you guys are thinking. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us at Robbie underscore Landis CP and Ben J M O R S E on Twitter. So uh, what we're going to do now is, uh, between Ben and I, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth. We're going to come up with some of our favorite Villains. We're each going to choose five of our favorite top villains from Marvel, and then we're going to use this to create a bracket that we're going to put out on social media for you guys to vote and help us decide who is the best Marvel villain of all time. And Ben, I'm going to go ahead and let you start. Well, I tipped my hand in the previous segment that my favorite Marvel villain of all time is Magneto, and I think... Magneto's a good place to start, both because he is immeasurably powerful, but also he has a lot of complex depth to him. So why don't we start with Magneto? That's the the, the top of my list, and we can uh, work our way down to some more interesting ones. Um, so yeah, the one that I'm going to pick next, actually, I, I think definitely deserves to be up there. We didn't mention him last segment, and depending on, on how you... Th- view this particular movie uh i think some people might scoff at me a little bit but i'm actually going to go with ultron uh i always thought that the story of you know uh mad scientist essentially hubris kind of coming back to uh bite him and just the way especially in age of ultron how they modeled the way that he views the world as sort of this twisted version of tony stark uh i thought has always been uh 
great sort of way to reflect them. And again, it's taking what normally in the comics is just this evil robot and even finding a way to put a little bit of humanity in him. Yeah, and I would recommend to anyone who hasn't read it in the comics, uh, including you, Robbie, there's a great story called Ultron Unlimited. Uh, It's from roughly 1998, 1999 by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. Uh, It's my favorite Ultron story of all time, and I think it's just phenomenal. Um, Going back to my side of things, I want to talk about another person we mentioned last segment, and that's, I can't, I don't think we can do this list without Thanos. He's become the quintessential Marvel cinematic villain, but also, if you've read Infinity Gauntlet, if you've read Donnie Cates' Thanos run, uh, he's a great character in the comics as well. Again, I think it's creepy that he's in love with death, but you know what? (laughs) Villains are supposed to be a little bit creepy, so we'll give some latitude there. So, Thanos will be my number two. All right, I think uh, before you take him, I'm going to go go ahead and have to choose Doctor Doom. I was leaving uh, him there for you. <laughs> oh, you were leaving him there yeah. just for me. Just for you. Um, I, yeah, obviously, you know, Doctor Doom sometimes uh, uh, said to be one of the most powerful uh, beings, depending on the story that you're looking at in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but uh, again, as you pointed out last segment, it's important to note that while some villains, I mean, everyone obviously, I think, feels that what they're doing is right and justified. Uh, I think that some villains still can recognize that what they're doing is evil, but they're doing it for their own greater good or for their own selfish reasons. But Dr. Doom, I think, unequivocally looks at himself and says, I am the hero. What I am doing is what's best for everyone. And uh, that puts him in a league of his own. Absolutely agree. Um, For me, let's jump over to the Thor mythos and let's go with Hela, the the goddess of death. Uh, Very complex, interesting character. Again, I, I, my line, just to let you know, Robbie, is my line is I'm not going to, like, Galactus, because to me, Galactus is more of a force of nature than a villain, uh, he's, Yeah, he, he obviously is an antagonist, but you're yeah. right. I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a villain. I wouldn't go with him. I wouldn't go with the Beyonder. To me, they're a little bit too outside the box. But someone like Hela, who is a goddess, but still, you know, very malicious, very scary, I thought... Kate Blanchett did a great job in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I also think Hela is a wonderful character throughout Walt Simonson's Thor and other great Thor runs over the years. So also to get, you know, some some feminine mix into here, I wanted to pick a, a female done, and I think she's one of the best. You know, taking a look at the the sort of list that I have here that I'm that I'm pulling off of, there is unfortunately a, a, a lack of of uh, really good uh, female villains on here. See, I, w- I was thinking about going with Emma Frost, but I feel like mm. more recently she, she's she gone a little bit more sort of anti-hero because she actually l- helped lead the X-Men for a time as well. Yes. Uh, so I think for my next one, uh, I am going to kind of shy away from the cosmic and the grander scale and go with something that is uh, uh, a little bit more down to earth. And I'm going to go with Norman Osborn as the nice. Green Goblin. Okay. All right. I like that pick. I like bringing it a little bit more down to earth. I will follow your lead and say slightly more down to earth, but still a regal and distinguished villain would be another guy. I know I, I, I shouldn't have talked about all these guys. I should have saved some surprises for this segment, <laughs> but um, let's go with Killmonger. Let's go with Killmonger. Um, very specifically, the cinematic interpretation of Killmonger that Michael yeah. B. Jordan brought to life. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, let's put Killmonger on the list as more of a schemer and more of someone who's a strategist as opposed to just pure power. Um, I'm going to go with someone that prior to reading the comics, based just off the movie, was not ever impressed with. And then when I actually read the comics, uh, to your uh, recommendation, actually, checking out some, some different... I think it was uh, specifically in Thor, God of Thunder. Was that the one where... Is that is that the Malekith run in there? 
Yes, uh, I was absolutely taken aback by how much potential Marvel let slip with Malekith in the movie. Unfortunately, as a result, in this bracket, he's probably not going to get very far. But Malekith in the comics is just... Uh, you know what? He's probably one of the more pure evil ones, but I think just seeing the difference, the stark difference between the movie version and the comic version of him really cemented him uh, as, a, as a really great villain to hate. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Uh, yeah, much better in the comics than in the movies. And you know what? I'll, I'll follow suit with that and round out my list of five with Red Skull, who I alluded to it earlier. Um, I think Red Skull in the comics is a fantastic villain because he is just pure evil. There's a story, uh, Red Skull Incarnate, that came out while I was working at Marvel that's kind of his origin, and uh, there's no relating to this guy. I mean, he had he had it rough as a kid, but still, he's just a grade A jerk. And I think part of the problem with Red Skull in the movies was when you're making a movie that's not necessarily all ages, but does have to appeal to a broader audience, it's hard to go that, you know, straight up Nazi route, which I think is the way Red Skull works best. So kind of the watered-down Red Skull from the movies wasn't my favorite, uh, but the Red Skull from the comics, there's there's no one worse. All right. And oh, okay, man, for my last one, there are so many good picks that I wish that I could, I know. That I could put on here, but I think for my final one, uh, I'm going to have to go back to a Spider-Man classic, even though, especially in the cinematic universe, uh, he's been more of an anti-hero lately. Uh, I'm going to still have to have to put Venom on there. I think nice. he's uh, in the comics back in the, the 90s show. You know, he's really pushed Peter and Spider-Man to their limits in some cases, and I think is one of his more interesting, uh, one of his more interesting villains. Good choice. I have to say, you know, when when you were sitting here making your choices, uh, I actually Googled to try and come up with more female villains because I it, it's, it's, it's a shame that we only have one on this list. And it's not that there aren't a lot of good ones out there, but I feel like a lot of them sort of ride that line between being a villain and being a hero. You know, the, 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 this, this might actually be something that maybe we can uh, revisit later to get a little bit more in-depth with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's our list. There's our list of ten. Uh, we're going to add probably another six onto here just to make it like an even 16 for the bracket contest. Uh, but uh, keep a lookout on social media, guys. It's just about all the time that we have for today. So, again, Checkpoint XP on Twitter and Facebook. You can find me at Robbie underscore Landis CP and Ben at Ben J-M-O-R-S-E. That's going to be it, guys. Until next time, you can find us here on the same other identity channel at the same other identity time. Yeah.